Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman and joined alongside my co-host, John Dustin, president of JD Insurance. John, always a pleasure to see you. Great to see you too, Jonathan. It should be a great segment. Excellent. Do you want to introduce our next guest? Sure. It's Dan Head of McWalter Volunteer Benefits Group. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hey, a pleasure to have you on. You want to tell us a little bit about McWalter Benefits Group, a volunteer benefits group, and what you guys do? Sure. So we are, we're an independent um, insurance agency. We're, we're based in Concord with offices in the greater Boston area, but I'm on the uh, benefits side. So I'm with McWalter Volunteer Benefits Group, and we focus on healthcare financing. So we, we focus on things from conventional insurance, but primarily we get into self-funding with companies from 50 employees all the way up to 500. So, so, Dan, the self-funding is, is becoming a little more prominent than it was. I mean, there was a stigma to it originally that people thought they had to be super large. But what are you seeing in the traditional marketplace that's driving people to that sort of a risk transfer mechanism? Yeah, so it's been, um, I mean, it's been developing really over the last 20 years. But the Affordable Care Act really kind of... Um, perpetuated things. And so, you know, over the last like decade, costs are just, you know, continuing to skyrocket. So within conventional insurance and healthcare costs are skyrocketing. And then within conventional insurance, you've got coverage that's diminishing. So you've got these two, you know, these two forces kind of working against each other. It's a top five expense that outpaces wage growth and inflation. And, um, it's just, I mean, simply it's become unsustainable. And so thankfully there's been some innovation in, in companies now, you know, I said 50 to 500 employees, we do work with companies smaller than 50 to, to self-fund as well. So it's become, uh, people are starting to embrace it. They're starting to see that they have to kind of think more creatively about it and, and take control. So, well, there, so there, needs to, there, there needs to be an alternative. I like the way you say the Affordable Care Act. It's really the unaffordable care act for most. And, and uh, as you said, the divergence between uh, the, the amount of benefits that you actually receive and the cost are going in the opposite directions. So, so we don't provide benefits at our agency, Dan, but is it fair to assume that if we go a non-traditional route, the employee could actually get a better outcome and choice of provider and not be stuck with a medical gate and cost sharing? Yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's obviously an uphill battle. It's, there's a long educational cycle to it, but, you know, 90% of us have been deemed health illiterate. So 10% of us kind of understand coverage, understand a little bit how to navigate the system. So people have become so conditioned to think that conventional insurance is really the only way to protect against healthcare and a healthcare event. In reality, you know, traditional health insurance really is, it's, I mean, they're banks, they're banks. And so they're, they're helping people, they're helping companies finance and deliver healthcare. And so ultimately their, their um, pinch point, if you will, is their network access. And so all we're doing is we're just changing the financing mechanism behind the scenes. We still provide the same network access. We still provide the same co-pays and deductibles, but we take out some margin and we start to implement strategies and solutions behind the scenes that actually enhance the consumer experience and start to 
educate people, start to empower them to, to be more informed consumers. So, so Dan, let's back up for just a moment and give our, our listeners just a really high level overview of what self-insured means, because I think the perception is that, you know, uh, I got to have a bucket of money behind it somewhere that that is going to um, fund insurance ultimately. Give, give our listeners just a broad overview of how, how it works. Sure. So all we do is we take we take a, a, a conventional insurance premium and we break it down, we boil it down and we just build it back up. So when one is self-funding, all they're doing is paying the, the small claims that are incurred by their employees. And then we purchase a different type of an insurance product called stop loss insurance to protect against something catastrophic, like a pandemic, for example. And so, um, you know, like I said, it's a long educational cycle, but we start by just by informing people, by telling them, by showing them that this is what a health insurance premium is comprised of. It's fixed. It's fixed, but it's comprised of your small claims from the previous 12 months, the cost to administer the plan, and then the insurance company is also purchasing reinsurance and protecting themselves, protecting their greater pool. So we just we just boil it down and we build it back up. So, so where is that inflection point for for a typical company that you're dealing with? Is it is it is it um, you know when their premiums reach a certain level, it makes sense to start looking at it? Um, and and premiums seem to be wildly all over the place. I mean, there's you know, from a consumer perspective and a small company, I look at it and say, I don't understand how IBM, I understand, you know, economies of scale and supply and demand, but how, you know, IBM is paying 400 bucks a month for their employees and we're paying three grand. You know, there's no, no sense in the market of what makes sense for small businesses. It's no wonder they can't afford insurance. Yeah, that's a great question. So, well, thankfully, one of the, you know, one of the um, innovations that's, that's come about really over the last 10, 15 years is what's called level funding. So really the beauty of conventional insurance is that it's fixed. It's fixed for 12 months, but it's kind of like an adjustable rate mortgage where, you know, after 12 months, that rate is going to change and it's pretty much, it's always going up. It's never going down. So, I mean, the inflection point really, it's, it's frustration. So if somebody has been receiving these renewals and they feel like they've got this healthy population, but they've been getting these renewal increases of say trend, six, seven, 8%, then they're probably frustrated. And it's that, at that point where we can, we can really, you know, we can kind of see eye to eye and, and they're kind of thinking along the same line. They're lucky if they're at six, 7%. Exactly, yeah, so exactly. Jonathan, you'd probably agree that even small companies as a business consultant, you'd probably agree small companies tend to spend a lot of time trying to find the best plan. And it's, it, you know, you can't satisfy everyone. But as, a, as an entrepreneur, Dan, what sort of cost savings on average do you think a company could really realize by stepping outside a traditional model? It's minimal five to 10%. And so, you know, at a minimum 5%, and then it's also thinking long-term and it's being strategic. So as we start to implement some of our cost containment strategies, that's where you can really bend the curve and you can, you can build this plan that's gonna creep along with maybe inflation or wage growth, but you're not gonna be changing coverage. It's gonna be stable. And people are gonna to start to, like I said previously, become more informed consumers. But also to Jonathan's point, you know, the IBMs of the world, they've got this critical mass in this scale where they can, you know, they, they, know, they know they've got the data, they know how their, their demographics are gonna run. They can be very, um, 
you know, they can predict, they can predict their experience. And, and they can to, negotiate with the carriers. And they can negotiate. And so one of the great- Jonathan and I can't negotiate. We right, take one what of the, we get and we don't well, get they're upset. All, <laughs> every, single, every single Fortune 100 company is self-funding. They've got, right. they, they just can. They can do it. They can do it safely. And it's the, um, you know, it's the best method for them. And so one of the great uh, you know, innovations that's come about again over the last 10 to 15 years is this concept of stop loss coalitions. And so these private preferred pools of like-minded employers that are self-funding, they're all rowing in the same direction. They've come together to build up this coalition that provides the purchasing power and the scale and the critical mass of a, of a Fortune 100 company. So, so Jonathan, it, uh, uh, I'm curious here, and I don't know if you are. If I don't have a traditional broker, what what am I paying? Not exact fees, but who am I paying, and how to implement a program like this? Yep. So that, I mean, that's um, you know, that's another way that we differentiate ourselves. We our fee our fee is based on is on a per employee per month basis. So we're completely fee based. So our compensation only increases with a company's employment growth. Our compensation does not increase with premium. So it's an advisory fee, essentially. Correct. Yes. And, and what about from a admin perspective? I think a, a lot of uh, perhaps uh, HR benefit managers look at it and say, well, I don't want to have to become, you know, a, a full-time administrator of benefits. Um, you know, I'm dealing with one of the, the big three in this area. You know, I pay an invoice and if I have an ad or, an, or, 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 or a deletion, it's pretty straightforward. What happens in a self-funded plan? Is there a lot more administration that's done? No. No, there really isn't. We go out and we've got, I mean, we've got preferred partnerships in place with, with various third party administrators. And so we go out and we contract with, with the TPA. And so that TPA is there to send out ID cards, to provide the customer service, to provide the, the backend administration. So it's, it's very seamless. It's really, I mean, our first goal and we're, when we're talking to somebody about going from conventional insurance to a self-funded model is to not be disruptive. So we want to duplicate current plan design. We want to mirror the network, and we just want to flick that financing switch behind the scenes. What, what percentage of companies out there do you think under, you know, say under a thousand, are really self-funded? Just a rough. Do they keep track of that? Yeah, they do. So it's probably. I mean, it's it's been gradually increasing over the last definitely five years, and so now under a thousand, it's probably about. 40 to 50% are self-funding. Hmm. I think, I mean, don't hold that, don't hold that, uh, me to that. But I mean, the one that we, that we definitely know about, which, um, you know, is a, is a discussion point when we're talking about the coalition and the purchasing power companies with a thousand plus employees, it's like 90% of them, of them self-fund. Hmm. It's because they, it's because they can. And because it makes sense, uh, obviously, uh, you know, they, they, as you said, they have the metrics, they have the numbers, they've crunched it all. Uh, it's fascinating. And I, I think what we haven't seen yet, and I've, I've seen coming for a long time, is we're going to see this consumer uproar in this country. Um, I know, for example, not to personalize it too much, you know, it used to be that you got a free annual uh, checkup. 
now you know you you talk about something an ailment that you have and suddenly they've got an upcharge you know yeah. you, not, there, there's no such thing as an annual visit anymore um you get charged for virtually everything and so consumers are reaching into their pockets continuously in a traditional model and i don't I'm quite understand how people don't get you know I, we haven't heard the uproar as i've said i think it's coming where people are saying well, what are you talking about I, i'm supposed to get this stuff annually and yet it cost me 100 200 300 500 dollars you know before you know it you're a thousand dollars out of pocket um, and, and you haven't gotten really anything different. And, and you're right, because Jonathan, when you think about it, if you ask a question at your physical that could be preventive for the company, it's reducing their expense. Why are you paying an extra fee to ask the question? And they don't really get into debt sometimes. They yeah. give a quick answer and it's 25 bucks or a hundred bucks. Or... Yeah. Well, well, and the challenge is there's zero transparency. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I go to a multi-doctor practice. You can't ask a question relative to a bill. Nobody can answer a question. You know, you have to wait till it goes through insurance. The answer is always the same. Well, you got to submit it to insurance and see what they pay. <laughs> Where does that leave you as a consumer on the hook? <laughs> It's it's such a uh, it's such an opaque industry, um, you know. Fortunately and unfortunately, but so I mean, we all, you know, Simon Sinek is obviously very influential these days, and you know, we're all trying to figure out our why and exactly you know why we do what we do. And so mine was crystallized three years ago now or four years ago now. I don't know. Time flies, I guess. But I was uh, I was unfortunately diagnosed with stage three colon cancer, and so. You know, I've, I've got little kids, I've got three little girls. And so it happened in mid-October of, um, I guess it was 2019. Uh, anyways, and so I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. I had one of the, one of the well-known HMOs. I'm thrown into the system and I've been doing this a while, but now I'm thrown into the system personally. I go in, I have a total colectomy. I have a terrible setback. So now I'm in the hospital for a month. I'm having every single scan just about known to man performed to figure out what's going on. I get through it. And then, uh, and then I've got, I go through chemo. And so I finally get through this whole experience that spring of 2020. And so, you know, I'm in good health now, knock on wood, but you know, anybody who's been through something like that or been through any sort of cancer treatment, you then go into this five year surveillance period. And so they took out my, my colon, my whole colon. So I had oh gone God. in for, I'd gone in for a colonoscopy. They found it. They take out my colon. And so now a year later, same insurance, same HMO, I go in to start my surveillance. And so now I go in for a flexible sigmoidoscopy. And the only reason it's different is because now I, I don't have a colon. So I go in for a flexible sig and they try to stick me with the whole bill. I mean, there, there's no, there's no, I mean, they, not only do they, do they tout care coordination, it's on every billboard. And, and it's, it's now a pre-existing condition and, and yeah. you're not doing preventative screening anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I was furious and, uh, you know, we, we fixed it with, through coding. It ultimately boiled down to coding, at least in their opinion, but it, it's just, it's, it's infuriating. And so, and I'm, and I'm doing the right thing. I mean, I, I had been on the preventative path even before the diagnosis, thanks to, to having Lynch syndrome. And so now, you know, I'm on this preventative path and it's like, it's just this system. It's this opaque system where you've got these forces kind of working against the buyer, who's the employer and the employee. And so ultimately, ultimately my, my why has been crystallized and, th and that's what we're doing. We're focusing on building consumer-friendly programs that 
that are um, cost effective. Well, important stuff, Dan, and certainly something, uh, hopefully a, a wave and a trend to come. I think uh, consumers are getting the, the short end of the stick, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we, we can't have a situation where um, in many people's cases, uh, you know, their health insurance premiums are larger than their mortgages and taxes on their primary residences at this point per month. Um, and, uh, you know, as you said, it's, it's not sustainable in the long term. Um, so uh, glad to hear that you guys are doing something. Dan, if people want to get in touch with you, want to talk about uh, what it is that you provide, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure. Yeah. Email is always best, which is uh, dhead at mcwalterbenefitsgroup.com. Uh, or my um, office phone, which is 781-424-5582. Great stuff, Dan. Uh, thank you very much for the uh, brief education in, in, in self-insurance and what you guys provide. Uh, our guest has been Dan Head, Vice President of McWalter Volunteer Benefits Group, uh, talking to us about uh, some options as far as health insurance uh, for your, yourselves and your company and your employees is concerned. And as always, John Dustin, a pleasure to have you on and uh, co-host with you. And great to see everybody. And uh, we'll be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs.